What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Sultan of Strangles, a.k.a. the Kimura King, a.k.a. the Ayatollah of Ankle Locks. And this is Episode 9, Competition Day. Last episode, I went through how you prepare for competitions, water loading, diet, training, mental, physical, psychological preparedness. In this episode, we are going to talk about on Competition Day what you should do, how you should act, how you should eat. And it's going to be amazing because I have competed over 250 times in my lifetime and I feel like that makes me an authority to give some advice. Hope you guys enjoy it. Make sure to go rate the podcast five stars on iTunes and share it with your friends. Sit back, relax, and get ready. What's up, everybody? Before we start today's episode, I want to give a shout out for today's sponsor. It is the law office of M. Ray Arvand, PC. He is an immigration lawyer. Um, It's a full service immigration law firm. They advise clients on a broad spectrum of immigration related issues. Some examples are green cards, citizenship, asylum, employment based visas, investors visas, family-based visas, and a lot more. I personally know Ray Arvan, and he is by far one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. I've actually sent him a bunch of referrals, and they were all very, very happy with him. If you have any immigration law needs, feel free to reach out to them at arvandlaw.com. That is A-R-V-A-N-D law.com. You could find them at 26 Broadway, 27th floor, New York, New York. Telephone number 212-323-7435. Hope you guys give them a call for all your immigration needs. Thank you. So it's the day of the tournament. You got up early, you got your gi in your bag, you got your tape, you got your no-gi gear, you're ready to kick some ass. Now, before you leave to the arena, you should have done this the night before or the morning of. If you have not done this, then you are a fucking idiot. You must go online and check your brackets. It is the year 2020, and it's not like the, it's not the way it used to be, where you would show up at a naga at 8 a.m. and not compete till 6 p.m. Uh, nowadays, most most uh, tournaments use the um, program called Smooth Comp, where you could check your bracket, you could check your times, you could see who you're fighting, you could see where your mat is. So when you do this, make sure to check your brackets. Uh, look at if you have a buy. Usually, you could see what time you're going to be fighting. Find out who all your opponents are. Research them. Uh, and make sure you know where your mat is going to be. I've seen so many people running around like chickens with their head cut off when they're time, it's time to fight, not warmed up, and they go get their ass kicked. Um, before you go, make sure you time your sleep. So I know a lot of MMA fighters who fight at nighttime. They usually wake up late, you know, late mornings or afternoon, so that they peak at like 9, 10 p.m. when they're about to fight. If your tournament is starts at 8 a.m. and you're most likely going to fight at 10 a.m., depending on your work schedule, um, try to make it so that you peak at that time, meaning the food you eat, the caffeine you take in, 
the warm-up. You want to peak at the time of your match. Um, so if I have a super fight that's at night, I'll go to bed a little late the night before. I'll wake up late. So when it's 6 p.m. and I'm about to fight, I'm ready to go. I haven't been up since 5 a.m. I'm not tired. If I have a regular tournament that starts at 8 o'clock, I make sure to wake up at 6 a.m. that day, get ready, get to the arena ready. And by the time I fight at 10 a.m. or 2 p.m., I'm at the peak of my day. This is midday for me. Um, this is really funny question that someone asked me, but it's definitely worth um, bringing up the thousand-year-old I don't think it's a myth. People say it's a myth. I don't think it's a myth. Sex before competition. So uh, some people say it doesn't matter. Sports science, the show said it doesn't matter. But let me tell you about my personal, you know, experiences. If I do the night before a tournament, I go into the tournament super relaxed. Not much anxiety. I feel good. I want to make friends with people. But if I abstain for it, from it for, you know, two weeks, three weeks, the day of the tournament, I have severe anxiety, but I am also filled with just hatred and rage. And I'm looking at my opponents like freaking pieces of meat. I'm just, you know, I got steam coming out of my ears. So it depends what type of mindset you want to have. Are you want, do you want to be there to kill people or do you want to be there to work on technique and, you know, have a good time? Me, I like to be intense. So I try not to do any of that stuff before competitions. Now, let's start talking about the warm up. I have had some really, really shitty experiences with warm ups. Um, number one, do not do a warm up that you're not used to. Okay, so my regular jujitsu warm up, I'll do forward rolls, shrimps, just some body weight stuff. But then the day of the competition, what I would do, like an idiot, I would do sprints. I would do running up and down the stairs, jump rope, jumping jacks. And my body was not used to those movements. So I would get tired. And then when it was time for my match, I'd feel just off kind of gassed so what you need to do you need to do you need to do something that's familiar okay if you don't run if you don't do sprints if you don't do jumping jacks don't be doing that as a warm-up the day of the tournament what i like to do is find somebody in flow roll that gets me nice and warmed up i do body weight stuff cat cows um just light calisthenics and that gets me ready now one more thing. Um, you want to warm up so that you peak at the time of your match, okay? So let's say my match is at 10 o'clock. I have a, I'm just, I've actually did research on this. I have a lot of sl slow twitch muscle. I actually literally like got a VO2 max test and all that. I have a lot of slow, much more slow twitch than fast twitch, so it takes me a while to warm up. I start warming up an hour before my match, super light. Then 15 minutes before my match, heavy. So I'm fully, I got a full sweat going, my lungs are ready to go. And by the time I'm on the mat, I'm drenched. A lot of the opponent, I see, a lot of the times I see my opponent just get up off the chair completely cold. 
and then he wonders why I completely smashed them. But everybody is different. You know, some people don't like to warm up. I personally think it's good to warm up. You prevent injury. You're ready to go. You're ready to kick some ass. So I feel like this is a huge, huge hole in a lot of people's planning and games. The day of diet, okay? Now, depends on who you are, but um, when you get there, uh, from the competitors that I speak with, your body kind of goes into fight or flight mode. You're going to be pissing and shitting a lot more than usual. That is just the natural process of your body. You know you're about to go into some type of combat situation. You're, you're going to be shitting and pissing regularly, so be prepared for that. What I like to do is I like to scan the arena. Don't ever use the bathroom that everyone else is using. It's probably disgusting and overcrowded. I like to find a secret bathroom. Every single venue has one. You find yours and you go there and you take your shit in peace and make sure not to tell anybody else about it because then it'll just become just as crowded as the other one. Um... So if I'm doing a tournament, whether a tournament or a super fight, I, I approach it very, very differently. Um, I know Bernardo Faria had a really cool post where he talked about in between matches, he'll have apples because it digests super fast, doesn't sit in your stomach, and you're good. What I like to do, the way my body works, if I eat anything the day of a tournament, I get severe anxiety, I get bloated, I get sluggish. I just can't do it. I notice I compete the best when I'm fasted. So I will not eat anything. I'll drink water. And then if I really need something, I'll have a bottle of honey with me, natural honey. And I'll take a little swig between matches just to keep my blood sugar nice and, um, you know, regular, not plummeting after matches. Um, for super fights, when I'm going to have a 10-15 minute match and that's it, then I time my sugar differently. For those of you who have seen the anime show, Grappler, Baki the Grappler, before every fight he has bananas and flat soda. So I've been doing that ever since I competed. I don't do the bananas, but I'll take the soda, I'll take the fizz out of it and I'll drink that. Or I'll have cranberry juice or grape juice. So by the time I'm ready to go um, compete, I'm ready to rip somebody's fucking head off. Um, as far as caffeine and sugar, um, I drink a cup of coffee in the morning every day. So I do the same thing for tournaments. Don't jack yourself up for that. And um, one more thing. I think I mentioned this before. Don't be drinking any of those carb gels. If you haven't done it before, you're not going to... Uh, your body will not process it well the day of the competition. One thing that <clears throat> at the highest levels you are always going to encounter are injuries. Now, you can decide two things. If it's a massive injury like uh, ACL tear, then obviously you can't compete. But if it is, let's say, a sprain, well, maybe a broken finger, Maybe a bad neck, a bad, you know, your arm hyperextended or your knees in a lot of pain, something like that where you could still probably fight if you're not a total pussy. Um, this is the type of mentality you should go into a tournament with. 
Um, obviously, when you train, uh, your training partners should not go for that arm or what whatnot because y- you know you want to stay as healthy as possible. And um, one thing I do is like, let's say someone hurt their leg, right? Instead of saying "Don't attack my right leg," I just say, "Bro, let's just not do leg locks because someone's gonna forget." and attack the injured leg. So you got to be mindful of that. Uh, If someone's neck is injured, one of my um, training partners, I obviously don't do snap downs. I try not to do headlocks and stuff like that. Your training partners are worth their own weight in gold because they're, without them, you are nothing. Now, let's talk about how to behave when you see someone else has an injury. Um, they're probably the most famous wrestler in all of Iranian history is a man by the name of Ghulam Reza Takhti. He was a real Javan Mad. He was a real Pahlavan, which is the Iranian word for champion. But it's not just your your medals. It's how you behave and how you conduct yourself. One thing he was super famous for is if he saw an opponent had like an injured arm or something, he would never attack that. And, you know, as a kid, I thought that was so cool. But then I found out, I think it was Worlds 1963 or something. And he was in the finals versus a man named Medvedev. Medvedev is seen by many as the best wrestler, freestyle wrestler in history. Uh, second to Busevar. Was it Busevar Zaitsev, I believe? Um and I found out that Medvedev had his knee taped up and Tahdi didn't attack his knee. All right, cool. What a badass. But then I found out that Medvedev beat him. So obviously, this being a nice guy doesn't work. So at the age of like eight, when I found that out, I'm like, fuck this. I'm going for it. So... If you think it's a good idea to tape up your injured leg or wrist or fucking arm on the day of a tournament, then you are a total fucking idiot, especially if there's money on the line, right? Good tip that I give people. I was talking with my boy Steve about it last night. If you hurt your right ankle, you better tape up your left ankle. If you hurt your right arm, you better tape tape up your left arm because you do not want them to go for your injured arm. Now, let me tell you a couple stories from my own life. Um, These stories happened on the same freaking day, by the way. It was grappling industries. I was competing in the Gi Purple Belt. Uh, This guy was whooping my ass the whole match. Uh, I think I was down like four points. And I I reversed him. I went to pass his guard. And... um, I did the uh, knee bar from top half guard uh, while his ankle was stuck in my gi pants. And I heard a sound similar to Velcro, like, like, snap, like ripping. He just screamed. So I let the, I let go. I freaked out. I let go. I got off of him. And he's like, oh, my knee. And then he goes to the ref, oh, my knee. So the ref looks at him and he's like, can you continue? And I'm like, what do you mean, can he continue? He yelled, he stopped fighting, the match is over. And he's like, nah, I could keep going. And I'm like, 
is this is this real life right now? We're, we're going to continue with your fucking knee that I just tore in half unintentionally? Like the knee bar was intentional, but for him to not tap and freak out, that was his own fault. Um, so they stand us both up. He's limping. And I'm like, are you sure you want to do this? You should probably forfeit. He said, yeah, yeah, I'm good. So obviously I immediately knee bar that same leg again and win. So when you're injured, don't show it ever, ever. Even if it's in a match, if someone catches you something and you feel a couple pops, pretend nothing happened because then they're going to go for it again. Uh, I had another match that same day. I saw a guy. Uh, he got his leg snapped, uh, his ankle, and then he goes and wraps his leg and, and then goes against me. Of course, I heel hook that same foot. You should never, ever wrap up your injuries. It's the dumbest thing ever. This is something I love to do. A lot of people just go say, go play your own game. But I look at my bracket. I find my opponents. If they have their picture on their smooth comp, I try to find them the day of the tournament. A um, th couple things I'm going to tell you to take a look at. If this is a gi tournament, take a look at their belt. Whether it's blue, purple, brown, black, look how faded the belt is. If the blue belt looks like it's pretty much white, that's mean this guy has been training for a long, long time. And if it's four stripes, it means he's pretty much a purple belt. So be prepared for that level of skill. If it's a nice new belt with no stripes, know that you're going to have a nice easy day. Or it could just be a new belt, but that's just something to look at. What I like to do, cauliflower ears are most, mostly genetic, but I still take a look at their ears. If it's if their ears look like they're untouched, no cauliflower, uh, the guys probably doesn't train that much. I look at their face for scars. Uh, one thing all grapplers have that train consistently, I don't care who you are, eventually you're going to get your eyebrows busted. Every jujitsu guy has had their eyebrows busted. I look for eyebrow scars, facial scars. Just see how much of a veteran they really are. Um, I look for injuries. I look at what they taped up. So me, doesn't matter if I'm hurt. I either don't tape up that injury or I will tape up the opposite limb. So take a look at what they have taped up. And depending on how badly you want to win, you know what to go for. Um, I know a lot of people are very concentrated on warming up, but... When I warm up, I always watch my opponent's matches. You have no idea how much intel you can get. You do your jumping jacks, you stay warm, but watch your opponent's matches. See what they're good at and plan accordingly. If you have not seen their matches, let's say they just beat somebody or lost some to somebody, go talk to their opponent and be like, hey man, what was he good at? And 90% of people are talkative. They will be like, hey, you know, watch out for leg locks, watch out for his dars, watch out for guillotines. And then I will go into the match with that intel and I will watch out for that. Super important. Um, and last but not least, one a, a trick my dad taught me because he grew up wrestling um, in Iran and he was a very decorated, amazing wrestler. He told me before every match he would see his opponent and he would shake their hand first to, to feel their grip, see how strong it was, see how calloused it was. 
And number two, he would always hug his opponent. Hey, how are you? Nice to meet you. And the hug wasn't to be a nice guy. He would hug them to see if he could get his arms around them so that he could suplex them. My jujitsu game, a lot of it is body locking, a lot of it is throws. So I always hug my opponents. And if I cannot get my arms around them and clasp my hands, it's probably not going to be a good idea to try to body lock past them or to suplex them. So that's a really good um, thing you could go into your matches knowing. For those of you who are competing at the higher levels or for those of you who have some anxiety about competing uh, the first time, at the beginner level, you shouldn't really be worried too much about this. But at the higher levels, when there's more at stake, these are two things you should be prepared for. Number one, be mentally prepared to take damage because there are bad people out there that are going to try to hurt you even after you tap. There have been people that uh, I have gone against and even way after I was tapping was still cranking the submission. And an even darker place sometimes you're going to have to take yourself to is you're going to have to be prepared to hurt someone. Um, let me tell you a story about the first time that this happened to me. Uh, the first, it was at a Naga actually. And I went against this kid. We were pretty even. And then I got him in a heel hook. I gradually applied, applied pressure to the point where I was pretty sure his leg was going to break. And I hesitated for a second and he got out. He knew I was being nice too and he took advantage of that. Later in that same match, he got me in a calf slicer and popped my knee right out of its place it's so badly that to this day i still feel my knee buckling if i step on it the wrong way so you need to be prepared for things like that and la uh, i actually met him again later on that year in another tournament and the same thing happened i'm pretty sure he didn't remember who i was but i remembered exactly who he was and this time when I got him in a heel hook, I applied pressure. He didn't fucking tap. And this time I was prepared to take myself to that dark place and break his fucking leg. There's something you're going to have to do in competition. Uh, it's not fun. Some people think it's cool. I don't think it's a really like the dark side of competing, but sometimes you have to do it. So at the higher levels, realize that there are days where you're going to get hurt, man. And there's days where you're, you are going to have to hurt people. Now, at my school, it's a very submission-oriented school of thought. John always tells us to go for the submission no matter what. But keep in mind that sometimes you're going to enter tournaments where you're going to have to fight 12 to 15 times that day. So you need to be prepared for a long day sometimes. And if I know I have 12 more matches and I'm winning my first match by two points or four points sometimes i might not go for that sub because going for that sub is going to get me gassed for the next for the next match so some people might disagree with this but i'm in this for a long run i'm in this to win a gold medal and even um travis stevens talks about this in big tournaments he treats the first two matches at like as like warm-up matches especially if he's in a high seed and he doesn't have to worry he's not going to blow his load on the first match um 
always have some i mean i was there i competed alone for most of my career but always try to have someone there to record for you whether it's your friend or someone you don't even know because you want to watch your match after to see what you did wrong what you did right um again you want to win your matches by submission but if you have a long day sometimes you just have to be okay with points number three um it sucks because i didn't have this for the majority of my career but it makes a huge difference to have a coach and for someone to call out points for you there have been matches where i was down by one and i had no idea because i was in the zone i had tunnel vision i wasn't thinking and someone shouted out you're down by two or down by one and i had 30 seconds left and i scored those points instead of going for like a submission and failing and I ended up winning by points. So I highly suggest to you that you get someone, a coach or just someone to call out the points and get someone to call out the time for you because you should be grappling differently based off time. In the first couple of minutes, you might not want to go balls to the wall, but if there's 30 seconds left and you're down three points, it's time to go balls to the wall to get those points now. So that's super important. A lot of you have anxiety and you ask does it go away yes over the years it does go away a little but it's always going to be there and let me tell you all the tournaments that i did poorly in were the ones that i went in with zero anxiety i feel like if there's no anxiety you're doing it wrong there's something wrong you know uh so what i tell people just embrace it instead of ignoring it trying to Think of something else. Embrace the anxiety. You're at a tournament. This is going to be badass. You're going to compete. But good news is after that first match, you get the adrenaline dump and you don't really think too much. Now, many of you like to do multiple divisions and you need to realize which one means the most to you. So for me, no gi is a lot more important to me. And I'm at the age where I could do masters, but adult is much more important to me because it's harder. So my priority is to win a gold medal in no-gi adult. So I'm going to put the, the focus of my energy on that. In my gi divisions or my masters no-gi divisions, I'm pretty much there to have fun. Yeah, I'm there to win, but I'm not trying to kill myself to win. No-gi adult divisions or no-gi absolute divisions are what mean the most to me because that's where you could win money, that's where you could win belts, and those are the hardest ones. Something about my previous mentality, when I first started, I was just like, I'm going to go to a tournament, I'm going to do my best, let's see what happens because I was new. But ever since I joined RGA, I, I noticed the championship mentality that people have. And my new mentality is pretty much, yeah, I'm going there to kill everybody. Nobody's coming out of here alive. I'm coming home with a gold medal or I'm not coming home. So that really helped me. Um, I do not believe in the law of attraction or that secret bullshit. But one exercise I really enjoy doing is the night before I go on my uh, notes app and I post my results as if I won. Thank you for my teammates. Today I won gold in so-and-so tournament. And the best feeling in the entire world is after you actually win the tournament to just copy and paste that and post it. It's amazing. Um, one of you asked me uh, this question, fighting your friends. 
So if you enter a tournament at a specific weight, and you tell people, you tell your friend, and they knowingly enter that same bracket, knowing that you're in it, um, you're still friends, but on that day, if you guys face each other, you are not friends anymore. Especially if there's a big prize on the line. When you are on that mat together, you better not hold anything back. If they don't tap, you break their arm. They knowingly entered your bracket, knowing your skills, and that's pretty much a challenge. Just make sure they never do it again, you know? You need to ask yourself, are you prepared to do anything to win? Some people it's no, some people it's yes. And I tell my friends, I'm doing this in this tournament, you know, and then when I see them do it, I'm like, all right, bro, you know, we're not going to be training with each other for until the tournament's over. And on the day when we go against each other, we're not going to be friends on that day. I'm looking at you as another competitor on that day. So it's super, super important that you do that. Unless you guys meet in the finals. And in that case, I'm okay with closing out. I've closed out with my teammates before, and it's pretty cool. So with all that being said, those are pieces of advice that everyone can apply to their game. I'm going to tell you what I do, and I don't advise you do this. This is just what works for me. And I've been told that this is wrong, but uh, it's what I've always done. And I don't advise you do it, but... This is what I do. I have a set playlist of 10 songs that I only listen to when I com- the day I'm competing. So if I don't compete for a few months, this will be the first time I hear these songs in months. Um, one of them <laughs> is by a band called Enciferum. The song name is Blood is the P- Price of Glory. You have to listen to the interlude first, which is Ad Victorium. Um, I like to pretend that my whole family is in front of like a firing squad or like about to be massacred. And the only way that I could get them to uh, not be killed is to win this tournament. So I go into it with this artificially created scenario where I just have to beat everyone. <laughs> That's just what works for me. And um, I've been told by instructors of mine, instructors from different schools that I compete much different than I train because I have trained with people who have smoked me and in when it matters, the day of the tournament, I beat them. It's because I could take myself to that place when I compete, you know, um, take that, pl- take my, take my mind to that concentrated, sometimes very dark place. I like to think about, I don't like to think about, but my uncle who I lost six years ago, and once I think about about him, it's game time. You know, I'm, I'm ready to freaking go. The match starts, the, the ref calls you out. For me, uh, I have a severe issue of tunnel vision. Once I step on the mat, I... My hearing kind of just goes away and I'm fully focused on my opponent and um, just what's going on. So a lot of times my coach will yell and I just don't hear them. There's a huge issue that I have that I need to work on. But always make sure to learn how to hear your coach, how to look at the points 
and how to be aware of the full environment, not just your opponent. Now, first thing you're going to do, you're probably going to tie up with them. If it's gi, you want to feel his grips. If it's no gi, you want to feel, you know, collar and elbow. Does he feel strong? Does he feel weak? And then based off that, whatever your game plan is, if you're a wrestler and this guy snapped your freaking face to the ground, maybe it's time to pull guard. If you saw he pulled guard in his matches, get ready to pass it or take him down. Don't get into his guard, you know. Um, if you see the person is stalling, don't stall back because these refs don't give a shit. They just give the match to whoever they want at the end. If someone's stalling, be aggressive and don't just push them out of bounds because there is no out of bounds in jujitsu. You just restart in the middle. Be prepared to pull him towards you. Be prepared to be super aggressive. Uh, because stallers, I've seen so many people stall their way into wins. You want to get positional dominance. You want to get submissions and only use your best submissions. And um, one thing I really wanted to mention, and you know, I wish I knew how to deal with this better. So many times in tournaments, I'll run into dirty fighters or cheaters, people who cheat. It's terrible. Like people straight up punched me in the face who crank submissions, who in nogi will grab your rash guard. My rule, you could deal with this how you wish. But my rule is as soon as you fight dirty with me, it becomes no holds bar. And nobody's as crazy as me. I'm going to take it to the next fucking level and show you that you never do that against me ever. Okay. Never, ever, ever during your match do you yell at the ref or the officials because he's most likely going to be at your next tournament and your next tournament and you're going to get blacklisted. You're going to be hated. Be polite with them. So if, if something goes wrong uh, your way during the match, let your coach do, during, do the talking. Don't yell at the ref. Now you're probably one minute, two minutes into your match and you notice your cardio is just not what it is at the gym. Because of the adrenaline rush, you lose about 30% of your cardio right away because of nerves, okay? So you need to know how to pace yourself. As soon as you hear that, feel that burning in your lungs, figure out ways to control the match to where you're not exhausting yourself, okay? So you need to learn how to pace yourself. If you don't wrestle during practice, don't try to be a wrestler during um during <laughs> your match you're gonna gas out do not do positions you don't do in training so back in my white and blue belt days i wasn't really about taking the back much but then sometimes in competition i saw the back take i'm like let's do it and then i'd get reversed and i would lose so if you don't if you don't do that position in training do not do it in the competition you're going to get fucked up Okay, um, get into the habit of looking at the points every couple of minutes. Your coach should be shouting out the time at you every minute on the minute and your points. But if you don't have a coach, look at the points and adjust your strategy accordingly. Okay, um, never, ever, ever underestimate your opponent. I have literally fought 45 year olds and 16 year olds. I saw this guy, 45, old man, and I'm like, eh, I'm not even going to record this match. It's not worth it. Got my ass kicked. But I could have easily beaten him if I went into it with the right mentality. 
I went against a 16-year-old. I said, oh, God, this is a joke. I was whooping his ass most of the match, then I got heel hooked. And that's why I joined Hensel Gracie Academy the next day. Do not underestimate your opponent. Do not overestimate your opponent either. I saw this guy, tattoos everywhere, look juiced up out of his mind, so terrifying. He had a USA wrestling tattoo on his leg. I'm like, all right, he's probably a wrestler, so I'm going to pull guard. Um, and I tied up with him, and he felt like a bitch. I'm like, you know what? Let me try to take him down. I took him down. I'm like, wow, the tattoo's for no reason. Yeah, so don't underestimate your opponent. Don't overestimate your opponent. And God forbid you get into this position one day. I'd mentioned it before. Now you get a submission, and your opponent does not tap. Do not hesitate to break their arm or leg. Do not. Because if they're that psychotic that they're not tapping, if they get you in that position, they're definitely going to break you. So do not hesitate. I've hesitated so many times in my matches. I remember the first time I got a heel hook, I felt I heard a sound like it was like tearing a Velcro. like, And I stopped. I'm like, you all right? And they escaped. So next time, I just kept going until they tapped or the ref stopped the match. You need to get that into your mind to be to just not have that shock reaction. Oh, my God. I just broke this guy's, you know, freaking tore this guy's knee. Another thing you'll realize when you compete is that it actually takes a lot more strength than you think to break something. Like, you get a Kimura, you think, all right, so I'll just put this, I'll do what I do in training. But most people tap in training. To actually break somebody's shoulder or arm takes probably 200% more strength than you thought. So keep that in mind. Unfortunately, you're also going to run into this. You win your first match, you're going into the next match. And right away, the ref goes, you're up on that. Two, you're like, wait, what? I just went. You just had a back and forth war with someone. You're heaving. You feel like you're going to die. And some asshole tells you you have to go fight again. This is because 98% of refs don't give a fuck about you. They don't really care about jujitsu. By the way, I'm not talking shit about refs because I ref too. 98% of them only care about getting the fuck out of there early. They get paid a flat rate of, I don't know, 150, 200 bucks. And they say, whenever the matches are done, you guys go home. So they want to finish this as fast as possible. Not because they love jujitsu or they want to promote the art. They don't give a fuck, for the most part, the ones I've spoken to. So if someone says, hey, you're up, just say, you know, I just went. Um, it says in the rules that I get at least a one match break. <clears throat> so ask them, you need a match break. You might need two matches break this. You know, you paid for the event and other times I've seen refs tell people, oh yeah, you're doing two divisions at the same time. So like you're still doing your gi division or like you're no gi divisions up. And I've seen people just listen to them. I just say, no, nah, I'm not doing that. That's bad organization. That's disorganization. Give me my refund. And uh, and they'll just say, okay, all right, just finish this division and go to the next one. So don't be afraid to fight back.
because that's just ridiculous. You pay money to do a tournament and these guys are telling you to do two to three divisions at the same time. That's literally impossible. And it's extremely stupid and poor organization on their part. Last but not least, don't do stupid shit. <laughs> like me. <laughs> like I see some people who play a pretty conservative game, but then out of nowhere they want to try out a flying armbar and knock themselves out. What I hate the most are people who make a mockery out of the sport. They'll play like donkey guard, will just stick their ass up in the air, or they'll turn their back to you, or put their leg up and say, hey, take my leg. My strategy with them is to just is to just teach them a lesson that they're never going to forget. I remember some guy was turning his back to me because he wanted to roll into my legs. He was like trying to make a joke. I suplexed this guy so hard that he did not get back up. And I'm pretty sure that he will never do something stupid like that again. So I say, you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. Don't play stupid games. So you're in the finals, you've whooped everybody's ass, your opponent has also whooped everybody's ass. Now is not the time to pace yourself. Now is not the time to wait for the, a long day. This is where you go 120% and you leave it all on the table. At the end of this match, win or lose, you should be heaving on the ground uh, because of how much you exerted yourself. This is, this is where you make money. This is where you get the gold medal. This is the match that matters the most, the one that you've been working for for the past couple of months. So it's not a game anymore. And you got to be prepared to do what you have to do to win. You go, you're winning by points. You decide to go for a sub. He taps out. They raise your hand. And that is the greatest, the greatest feeling in the entire world to know that Months and months and months of hard work, getting yelled at by your coach, getting your ass kicked every day was fucking worth it. You, It is a feeling of euphoria unlike anything. I'm not a drug addict. I actually hate drugs, but I've tried some shit. I've tried pills. I've tried weed. I've tried Adderall and alcohol. When I do those, I'm like... Yeah, I guess this is kind of euphoric, but it's not even one millionth of the high you get when you compete and when you win. And I feel like that's a feeling everyone should feel once in their life. And it's addicting. The adrenaline dump you get after is wild. Um, out of nowhere. Um, I start feeling my hips, my knees, my ankles, my neck, just excruciating pain. Pretty much after every tournament, whether it's a big one or a small one, I have to take like two to three Advils just to be able to fucking walk because it's, it's just, I don't know why, I guess the amount of exertion I put out, but it's crazy. Um, mental, physical, spiritual you will evolve. I tell people, don't compete for competing. Compete for the feeling afterward. I swear you feel like a different person. I grow exponentially every time I compete. And I, com and I consider every single tournament you do to equal 30 training sessions. Your anxiety's gone. 
You've done what most people didn't have the balls to do. And now it is time to get on the podium and get your medal. Now let's talk about something that fucking disgusts me. You need to be honest about your division. You need to be honest about your bracket. You need to be honest about everything. If you did novice division, don't say I won uh, the expert division or I'm the world's champion. If you did masters five, don't say you won worlds. You won masters five worlds. That's very different. That's a lot easier than winning in the adult division. Don't take away from the hard work of other people. I know many masters, just like myself, that still do the adult division. Don't lie. You're making a mockery of yourself. You're making a mockery of the fucking sport. If you beat, if there was one guy in your bracket, be honest. Had one match today, won. Don't say it was a fucking huge tournament, okay? Like, I see this shit and I get really disgusted. You have to be honest. Now, um, if you won, um, I get it. People say be humble, but if you really put in the work, if you put in the sacrifice, fuck being humble. Don't be fucking humble. Tell everybody you won. Walk around the tournament with your medal for the rest of the day. Post about it. Tell your friends and family about it. Just don't be a dickhead. And if you lost, if you didn't win a medal, if you came in second place, get the fuck out of that mentality. You, you win or you learn, man. It was still fun, man. No, man. You suck. You got to get better. You got to go watch your tapes. You have to study your tapes, figure out what you did wrong, come back next time and win. Uh... It's weird how I see these people, they go into these super fights or tournaments, they get their asses handed to them and they're taking pictures with giant smiles after. I'm like, what the fuck's the smile for, motherfucker? You shouldn't be smiling. <laughs> you just got your ass kicked. Um, and make sure not, not to uh, quit. I know a lot of people lose, they're devastated from it and they just never compete again. I've seen that many times. You need to take all your tape. You need to go over it with your coach. If your coach doesn't want to watch your tapes or doesn't want to go over it with you, find a new fucking coach. All right? Um, if you are not happy with your results, people say, uh, you know, you shouldn't blame other people. You shouldn't. It's all about you know your responsibility. Sometimes it is okay to blame other people. If you go to a school where nobody competes and they don't really take it seriously and it's a fun social club, it kind of is their fault. So you need to change schools if that's the case. Um, I went from training three minutes from my house to traveling an hour and a half every fucking day back and forth to train at the best school in the world. So that's a change you should make if you want to get better. Um, one one other thing um, I, I just wanted to mention about honesty. I've literally seen people go into a tournament, um, pay the entrance fee, get told that that, hey, um, you know, you have nobody in your division, 
but you know you still win a belt and you still get points for your team if you uh, pay the fee and stay in and i saw people say yes to that and i turned to them like you should be fucking ashamed of yourself you know it's just taken away from all those guys that put the hard work to get a belt for real so never be that guy so that is it, guys. I hope that podcast was super um, beneficial to you. If you have any more questions for me, you know where to reach your boy. Instagram at K-O-O-L-R-A-K. You could get the podcast Instagram page at Rambling with Rack. You could visit my school's page if you want to join at Immortals Jiu-Jitsu. Um, I am beyond blown away with how good this show is doing. Uh, my, my initial goal, you got to set landmarks for yourself, was 1,000 listeners. And I reached that in less than two weeks. I cannot believe it. I truly cannot fucking believe it. And none of this would be possible without you guys. Um, I had a goal for amount of students I would want within my first month of opening. And I realized that as of yesterday i've actually doubled it so you know i don't mean to sound like one of these motivational speakers things will not just happen if you believe receive achieve conceive things will come true if you bust your fucking ass and the most important days where you need to bust your ass are the days where you don't fucking feel like waking up And you don't feel like training. You don't feel like going to work. Those are the days that I've noticed I've made the most gains in life. And now I'm just starting to see the fruits of my labor. Love you guys. You know where to reach me. If you liked the podcast, go rate it five stars on iTunes. Share it with your friends. Share it with your family members. If you have social media, post a clip from the podcast or post something from the podcast page tag the podcast and tag me um that's all i ask from you guys hopefully i'll get some more sponsors soon and we can start making some cash hope you guys have a great night and the sultan of strangles is out